to healthcare disruption? It's you. It's you. Are you ready to join hosts Jerry Durham and Andrew Rothschild in breaking down the healthcare status quo and creating a customer-focused experience? It starts with you. Time to break it. Let's go. Episode four, which is actually part two of the interview with Matt Watkinson, author of the book, The Tim principles behind great customer experience just want to do a short intro to make sure you did know that this is part two and it will pick up directly uh, where we cut off uh, part one of the interview so if you haven't heard part one go back and listen to it because it's going to set some great content contact sorry with his content um, for part two part two's got a lot of takeaway things you can bring into the clinic experience so sure yeah i mean my my point is that you know in physical therapy we're dealing with we sometimes deal with certain things like the 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 um the subtext part of it with somebody with low back pain or some sort of pelvic girdle pain could be um obviously painful sex or difficulty having sex or with um you know going to the bathroom these kinds of things that they normally would not come out and volunteer early on and so coming back around to empathy you know bringing in empathy early on helping establish trust listening to the patient because a lot of times they will say things in the conversation whether in an offhanded manner or making it making it as a joke but it's really the subtext of that um, implication is actually very serious and, and if we are not paying attention we miss that opportunity uh, to jump on that and make it take advantage of that to really make a difference uh, with this patient and address something that they're not necessarily comfortable talking about so it kind of comes I was thinking, bringing it back around to the empathy thing and how we, that ties in with establishing that earlier on to get to the super objective and the uh, the the subtext much earlier yeah, sure. I mean, look, I think like with many things in life, if you're, I don't know, if you're thinking of buying an Audi or thinking of getting a tattoo or something, you know, you, you notice all of the Audis driving down the street and you notice all the people with uh, with tattoos, you know, because it's, it's front and center. And I think the same is true with, with using any one of these these kind of principles, whether it's the subtext and, and the higher objective or expectations, which I think is a, is a huge thing. Like when you're tuned into thinking in these ways, then you naturally pick up on these things more. And the more you, the more you pick up on them, obviously, the more opportunity you have to... Uh, to use that to 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 create value for your patient and and in turn for your business, you know. So if you're tuned into thinking in terms of, oh yeah, it seems like there's some subtext here, or yeah, oh, okay, I'm trying to think about the higher objective. You know, if you're tuned into thinking about these things, then naturally, you know, that does build your empathy, and and with that, you you build a better experience. You know? So yeah, I, I totally agree with with what you're saying there. You know, these things are to an extent inseparable from one another. Yeah, that's a that's a great point. How they're inseparable. When you look at the way you describe them, and to be honest, we don't have to go into it. I love your. Um, I tell you that the use of the airline, the person traveling, looking up an airplane, you know, who wants to get on an airplane, and how you follow that person throughout the uh, book is uh, is pretty good. And you just see how these are all tied in for sure. So, Matt, you made uh, the next segue. Thank you very much for the word I've written all caps on a piece of paper next to me, and that's expectations. So tell us a little bit about uh, what you think about expectations and the role it plays in the customer experience, please. 
Oh, well, well, how long have you got? I think it's probably the topic that I... Uh, it's certainly the topic that at conferences and speaking engagements seems to garner the most interest from people because it's one of those things that is ex ex kind of extremely obvious in, in a way and, and thus quite confusing that it's so so misunderstood. I mean, when you think about it, your, your satisfaction with, with any experience in life, whether it's going to see a movie that a friend has recommended or a restaurant or, or, or a visit to, to a healthcare professional or a hotel, it doesn't matter what it is. Your satisfaction with that experience is determined by your expectations. It, it's just a, a universal thing. It's how the brain works. We have kind of libraries of patterns of behavior in our mind and when things deviate from that, it captures our attention. And if it deviates in a bad way, you know, the, the brain uh, picks up on that, that very strongly. And if it deviates in a positive way, it kind of creates an enormous source of, of pleasure for us. So, you know, in, in the last decade or so, I've had many, many clients who say, oh, we're satisfaction obsessed or uh, we're quality obsessed and exactly zero who say that they're expectation obsessed without realizing, of course, that whether our satisfaction with anything is determined by our expectations. And if we don't know what people expect, we cannot satisfy them. And if we don't set clear expectations with people, we leave that satisfaction almost entirely to chance. And I've never once had a, had a client who, you know, even if they spend millions or tens of millions a year on trying to improve customer experiences, present to me a model of what, what experiences they set along the course of the customer journey and how that might be affecting satisfaction. I've got two more points to make on this, um, which are, I think, absolutely crucial for people to understand but, but are not, not widely understood. And the first of these is, um, is uh, this discovery by uh, Dan Kahneman and Don Redelmeyer in the 90s, actually a discovery that was made in healthcare, um, called the peak end rule. What they did was they um, they asked patients every minute, I believe it was during a, a colonoscopy, how much pain they were experiencing in that moment on a scale of one to ten. So minute one, they might say, oh, four, nine, six, whatever, as, as, as the procedure progressed. And then at the end of the that medical procedure, they said, how would you rate the total pain that you experienced? Right? Now, what they were expecting, which sounds logical, is that those final measurements, the total pain that people experienced, would reflect effectively the sum of those individual ratings. So if it had been three minutes long and they'd given a five, a uh, four, and a three, they'd say, oh, that was like uh, um, you know, a, a 12 overall or something basically yeah, on that But what they found out was actually it had no bearing whatsoever on their retrospective assessments of, of the pain that they experienced. In fact, what determined the amount of pain that they experienced was effectively the average of the most intense moment and of how that, and of uh, how much pain they experienced at the final uh, part of the procedure. So that's why it's called the peak end rule. It basically says, and really this discovery should have changed our entire approach to, to customer service, that our satisfaction with any experience depends on the most memorable bit and how it ends because uh, that's what gets encoded in the memory. 
Um, what we should be trying to do when we create a better customer experience isn't to improve the experience on paper by improving every interaction, it's to improve the memory of the experience, which isn't the same thing, because the memory of the experience depends on um, mostly on how it ends in the other most memorable point. And I can give you a wonderful example of this. Recently, I was speaking to somebody who works at a very prestigious hotel, and they said, oh, we've, we've uh, been fixing our dining experience recently, so... Um, you know, we've taken off all the, the rough edges and, um, you know, these, these little mistakes that, that we would make occasionally, but we haven't seen any improvement in satisfaction. And I said, well, you know, why, why would you? And they kind of, they seemed surprised that I said that. But what they then realized was when they did make mistakes, because they were a, a very a well-run and well-managed establishment, the management would come down, they would waiver the fee, and that experience would always end on a real high note for the customer because you know they'd have this incredible apology and they'd go out of their way to make sure that, that they left on a real high note. So you know, paradoxically, they've got a situation there where they've improved the customer experience and satisfaction has gone down. Now, that sounds totally preposterous, but yeah. I can assure you that it's true. And it's true because of the peak end rule. Um, our satisfaction with these experiences mostly depends on... Um, on how things end, and then the other most memorable point in the experience. Now, the, the next logical question would be, well, how do we know what, what is a peak and, and what isn't? And the answer to that comes from a, a piece of work done by a guy, I believe, called Leonard Berry, who basically said that whenever we have an experience as a, as a customer uh, in service industries, we have two levels of expectation. One is what we would deem adequate, which is your kind of baseline. So, I don't know if I was going to In and Out Burger, it might be that I wait five minutes. And then we have what we would say is our ideal uh, service, in which case, you know, oh, I just get served immediately and I go on my way. Now, between what we deem adequate and what we deem desirable, there's this kind of gray zone that they call the zone of tolerance. And the interesting thing about that is that any interaction within that kind of zone of tolerance that falls between what we hoped for uh, as what we thought of as adequate and what we would, would deem ideal is not memorable. And it's not memorable because it fits entirely within our, our patterns and our, our expectations. So really the only interactions that, that we really remember are ones that were either below what we deemed to be adequate or below or, or above what we deemed to be desirable. That's why you can kind of drive home on the freeway for two hours and not really remember anything because it was all within that, that kind of uh, oh that zone of, of tolerance. So by implication, what it really means is that if you want to dramatically improve your customer experience, dramatically drive up satisfaction, the last thing that you should do is start just changing everything or trying to improve everything because all you're going to end up with is an experience where everything sits in that zone of tolerance. What you want to do is make sure that there are no negative troughs, anything that people would deem below adequate. Make sure absolutely 100% of the time that you end on a high, leave people with a smile on their face, and then just build in a couple of positive, unexpected uh, memorable interactions and that's all you have to do to transform people's perception of satisfaction i mean it's it sounds outrageous and, and controversial but it's absolutely true i mean it's 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 science basically but that is totally 100 percent the opposite of how firms go about trying to improve their customer experience uh, just to end with one fairly interesting example of that i stayed at a hotel 
not so long ago where uh, when I checked in, they uh, they gave me a cookie at the check-in desk to, to welcome me to, to the hotel. And what that in effect did was raise my expectations about the quality of the rest of the stay. So then when I got to my room and the air conditioning unit was uh, rattling all night and I couldn't get to sleep, uh, that created the most memorable um, part of the stay for me. So the next morning I go to check out and they say, how was your stay, Mr. Wilkinson? And I say, oh, well, it wasn't that good, actually. Now, they'd only been trained to ask the question. They hadn't been trained to actually do anything if people answered it. So I said, you know, it wasn't that great. And she just went, oh, okay, and handed me the bill. Um, <laughs> and off I went, you know. So they've actually ended on, a, ended on this catastrophic low point with one uh, memorable interaction, which is the air conditioning unit not working. So in their attempt to actually improve the, the chicken experience, they've actually uh. decreased everybody's satisfaction that stays at the hotel uh, without really realizing it, which is a, you know, a, a kind of catastrophe uh, for them. But I'm sure they probably think that they're doing all the right things. There you go. So. Oh, that's awesome. And I'm going to assume in her previous job, she worked in healthcare because that's about <laughs> dead on how you would uh, deal with that. That's a great, I'm going to let that sit. And, um, because that was really good. That peak end rule, the no low troughs end high. I, you know, anybody listening to this, if nothing else, go back. That is the take home of how to start to develop that customer experience. That zone of tolerance. Oh my God, has healthcare done an awesome job. And as you started talking, Matt, about the end experience and Andrew, I know you know this, the fiasco of insurance billing and what's owed is what sits in probably greater than 50% of all experiences in healthcare. So Matt, if you were to walk down the street tomorrow and ask the next 10 people you saw about their last experience in healthcare, if at least half of them don't, don't talk about that end with the disaster of the bill. I will buy you dinner because that is such a perfect example of healthcare. I, I've heard more stories start and end with the care was great, but, and then it's a 30 minute tirade into that last experience, that final bill they got. So. Yeah, sure. Well, I mean, what you tried to do if, if you had any sense was to move that to a different stage of the experience. You know, you try and move it up front or something, or you try and actually add something on after that experience, which created a subsequent memory after the billing bit is done. You know, you can often do that in a, a, a in fairly trivial ways. So, to give you an example, uh, you know, when I do speaking engagements, um, uh, when I when I remember, <laughs> which is most of the time, I will uh, like just send something like a postcard, which cost me like ninety nine cents or something, to the organizer, or or just a greeting card to say like thank you so much for inviting me. Um, I really appreciate that. Now, of course, that's the last thing that's happened. The conference is right. it's a week after the conference. They've forgotten about that. They've forgotten about paying the invoice, whatever. They forgot about whether the talk actually went well or or not. The only thing that they're going to remember is that greeting card, which ends on a high and. And there haven't been many times where I've done that where I haven't had a, a rebooking, right? And it's cost me 99 cents. Yeah. So, like, Great example. And, and, well, I mean, it's so trivial, right? But, but all you have to do is add something um, on the end of the experience, which is unexpected and ends on a high, and, and you're away. Like, uh, I mean, I, I've got a bottomless pit of examples of this. I went for, for dinner uh, at some uh, pretentious wine bar in Beverly Hills, uh, not my choice, incidentally. And um, it was it was great. The food was nice. The drink was good. And then at the end of the experience, the uh, 
the bartender uh, gives us our bill and he puts the kind of leather bill holder thing in a puddle of spilled oh, drink on the bar. God. So we've got to fish this thing out of this puddle and then open it to get our bill. And that's the only thing that either of us remember because it's the thing that happened like right at the end of the of the experience. You know, I'm sure for the people listening to this and, and, and for you guys, now you're going to be thinking about all those experiences where, uh, you know, the only thing that you really remember is, is the end of it and then one other kind of memorable insight. I mean, it's obviously not as black and white as that in practice, but as a general guideline, and all of these things are, are heuristics, really, if you want to improve the experience, start at the end and then just take off the rough bits and you can achieve with a fraction of the time and money uh, seismic differences in satisfaction just by obeying uh, the PEK rule and thinking about Leonard Berry's uh, really wonderful work into these this uh, zone of tolerance and inadequate and desired uh, levels of service. I mean, it's, it really should have revolutionized the way that people think about things, but, but plainly it hasn't because I still have a job, you know. So. <laughs> well, that, that's a good, you, you get to be a disciple. So that's so, man. So guess that whole billing thing, Matt, the way I came into first stumble in and not even realize till later, the way I came into first addressing the customer experience was exactly what you just said. I realized the billing issue at the end of it needed to be moved. And uh, um, what a perfect example. And we ended up moving it and it did change it and it changed it immensely. So great example. Well, there you go. Yeah. yeah, that is just crazy. And you're so right. So in all those things you just said, zone of tolerance, very peak and roll. I have all those in my notes. Uh, no low troughs and end high. I may just get that tattooed on my forearm, so I'm always looking at that regardless. So, hey, uh, Andrew, well, and I'm thinking Andrew. Andrew treated probably 10 to 12 very happy customers today, and he's running back through his head how he ended with every single one of those customers he dealt with today. So you, you want to share any of that, Andrew, or you got a quick follow-up? Uh, my main follow-up was that uh, the thing I've incorporated in the past year, I just wanted to hear what Matt's, you know, Matt's uh, thoughts were on this, was that um, in our billing, I've talked to our billing department and the owner of my clinic, and our billing is actually in a pretty good, we do a really good job. We really have minimal issues with billing uh, for being an in-network provider. Um, but one thing I've been doing is, and I tell them this usually on the day that we, you know, we finish the episode of care, um, that I'm going to follow up with them in a few weeks just to check and see how they're doing. So I'll give them three weeks, maybe a month, and then I'll just give them a, I'll give them a phone call, leave them a message, and just to check in, see how they're doing, um, see how if they had any questions, if they had any follow-up things. Um, and I've got a lot of good feedback uh, from patients who have either called me back or I've able to I've been able to catch on the phone. Really appreciative of that of that follow up call. So that's sort of been my way of being the la uh, changing that last little touch point outside of the outside of the, the clinic interaction. Yeah, I mean it's 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 another uh, excellent example of this uh, this principle in in action. You know, and, and you might even you might even want to think about about ways that you could that you could do that in a in a slightly unexpected or uh, or a particularly delightful way, if if possible. I mean, these things don't have to be expensive to do. That's one really good example. I don't know whether they still do it, but I heard in, in conversation with somebody, if you travel with Japan Airlines uh, in first class, they uh, they give you a handwritten thank you note uh, when you leave the, the plane. 
and people collect them, right? Yeah. And you kind of think this is insanity, like you pay however many thousands of, <laughs> of dollars to fly on this plane and the only thing that you care about is this handwritten thank you card, like you could just write yourself a, a thank you card, like and travel with Southwest and save the money, whatever, but like, it's, it's so interesting that, that these tiny, seemingly tiny details make all the difference because they're unexpected or because they come right at, at the end of, uh, of the experience. Uh, what we really need to do is, it's kind of like, like music, really. You, know, you listen to a piece of music, and if it's just loud all the time or quiet all the time, it's boring, and, and you don't remember it. Uh, when you introduce some kind of dynamics there, like the odd memorable moment, the odd uh, unexpected delight, uh, and, and, and of course, we should use that sparingly, um, it's those things that lodge themselves in the memory, and it's those things that, when we assess our satisfaction or, or look back on, that, that are what we, we remember and we forget all the, all the boring stuff that happens in the zone of tolerance, which is you know, where most things should take place, and then just with the odd, uh, the odd peak. Um, yeah, I think you're, you're going down exactly the right lines with that. Right. Nice work, Andrew. Um, I think that is an excellent place to end, Matt, and that was great. And all that coming from that expectations, I was glad to hear your excitement to want to talk about expectations because Andrew and I really grabbed onto that. And I've, I've, I've read, I've already reread some of these chapters four to five times because it, it applies even in one step in the overall. I, I think healthcare can learn a lot from the book. So I thank you for your time, Matt. One quick follow-up though, I do have to ask because Andrew and I are book lovers and, um, you and I do have the same bookshelf set up as you found out, as I found your picture online. We can, I'll share that story later with the listeners. But is there one, maybe two, I don't know if you want to share five design type books that someone who's not into design or experience type book, I did order, I will um, admit, I ordered about face um, on the, mm -hmm. not on the, your recommendation, but just from your references in the book, I did order about face. Are there any other books you'd recommend? Oh man, you kind of put me on the spot there. Yeah. Uh, sorry. Ooh. There doesn't I mean, have to be. I'm just curious. Yeah. I mean, to give you, to give you an idea, or I think, uh, I've now read, uh, I think it's like 241 books on my field. Yeah. So well, to pick out, um, I'll, I will, pick I'll, out a handful would be a, a, a challenge. I think if you read them... Okay, go on. Sorry. Uh, I'm actually just looking across the shelf. Uh, <laughs> uh, one, of, one of my bookshelves is, is right behind me now, trying to see if there's anything in particular that I think... Uh, how about that, I think universal, that universal principles of design? You referenced that in the book also. Oh, I mean, that's a fantastic book, but that's very much a design book. It's not so much an experience book. It's really about, like, uh, concrete design principles. Okay. I think Dan Kahneman's book, Thinking Fast and Slow, which is a, a bestseller, has wow. been a, yeah. is a, is an, an absolutely awesome, awesome book. Um, and, 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 you know, what an incredible uh, mind and what an incredible career. I think um, another book that I, I love because it's kind of, it's kind of a fun read, but, but there's, there's some meat to it, would be um, The Pursuit of Pleasure by, by Lionel Tiger. I think that's an incredible book. I mean, he basically talks about how, 
how important pleasure is to us in, in our lives. It's, it's something that we've obviously evolved because at some point in our past, the things that we found pleasurable were the key to our survival. Mm-hmm. And he talks a lot about, about some of these things that just kind of really gets you thinking about, uh, about how central pleasure is and, and how we can incorporate pleasure in our, in our interactions. I think that's a, that's a really good book that I, that I really loved. I loved um, another book I really loved, which is kind of a, a sleeper, kind of cult classic in, in my mind, would be um, a book called Buying In by a guy called Rob Walker. And what he writes about is, uh, is brands. It's kind of a brand book for people who don't like branding or, or, or kind of feel like that's a dirty word. Uh, oh, good. But it's, it's a really interesting book about how inseparable our identities are from the products and services that we choose. And I think that's of immense value for anybody working in any business to understand just how important it is to to create a brand. And, and of course, the experience that we provide to our customers is largely speaking inseparable from, from that. You know, that's how you build a, a brand in, in many ways is, is through that, that experience because a brand is just a set of expectations and associations we have with a the business you know i mean those are those are a few just off the top of my head that i think would be you know really truly fantastic uh, fantastic books another book that um that has just sprung to mind that might be especially pertinent is one like uh, time to think by uh, a lady called nancy klein who's actually a friend of mine um that's a fantastic book and it's just really about the skill of listening and and how we can you know, how much we think we're listening, but we're not, and, and how we can be, be better at that. I think that's something that you kind of can't ever really lose sight of how valuable it is to to listen to, to other people and, and create an environment where people feel like they can they can share their opinions. Um, oh, it's so important in healthcare. So, I yeah, definitely, that went, just went to the top of the list because we need, we just, we, we need... Um, need a little more we've gotten away from that and again that's more of a qualitative issue not a quantitative so we tend to get away from that qualitative you know a bit and um so i think it's good for to get steered back so i, I think that'd be yeah. excellent for people there they yeah, oh, well another one oh. sorry another one from that then would be uh, another friend of mine yeah. uh, a guy called mark goldston who's a, a really quite an incredible guy he wrote a book called just listen which is um yeah. A fantastic book uh, on that topic. So he'd be another guy to uh, to 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 include on the on the list. I mean, we could we could fill in our podcast with with book recommendations. I mean, I'm a I've got a voracious appetite for these kind of things. And the the problem with it is, of course, the more you learn, the more you realize how little you know. And then, of course, you know, you're just reading all the time and and constantly feeling like your knowledge is going down rather than up. But there we go. You know, uh, that's kind of the nature of it. Well, just from your book alone, I was going to recommend to anybody else who wanted any other book recommendations to buy the great, uh, the 10 principles behind great customer experiences because you reference so many in there, um, which I love. And, and it's good to see that because then there's this thought and idea, if nothing else, that this has come from such a well-rounded place. So, so Oh, thank you so much. I mean, it was certainly a labor of love uh, and, it, yeah. and it's... Uh, it's always great to hear that people are, in, are enjoying it. And, um, you know, it, it, of course, it makes it all worthwhile when you hear from, from readers and, and people like yourself, you know, that it's, they've, in, they've enjoyed it, but, but more importantly, that it's actually really helped them 
it's really empowered them to make a difference to their business. So Anybody in healthcare, I will end how we started. And Andrew, you can chime in on this too. Anybody in healthcare, regardless of position, admin, provider, anywhere, anybody in healthcare can bring something back to work immediately that they can start to deliver a better experience for that person across from them. Even if they don't link it up, even if everybody in the office read it and they don't link up, everybody will take away something, whether the empathy, the listening for the subtext, the expectations, it's all really good, Matt. And that's why I'm so excited you agreed to be on here. Andrew, what do you think about the book? Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, I'm, I'm making a whole presentation from my office pretty much based just kind of summarizing the book and the highlights and, and trying to put together some actionable points that we can start to try to incorporate right away. Um, and I'm going to go back and add the whole, I didn't add that, the, the, the peak end uh, experience is having to add, you know, the, the end, uh, the end of the episode being so key to that uh, for the, for the, you know, the customer remembering the experience and putting a, a, a strong positive association with it. I got to add that in and really highlight that. But it was just, I think it was, you know, like Jerry said, I, I reread multiple chapters um, because it was so much good stuff in there. Um, I, I think this, this is so applicable to healthcare in so many ways. And it's something that is not taught in, in school. It's not emphasized in most continuing education other than what Jerry is doing. And it's not emphasized even in uh, the clinic very much other than probably a few smaller private practices that, that, are, that are focused on this. Yeah, sure. I mean, it's always, been a, uh, it's always been a kind of an interesting thing for me that, you know, businesses obviously don't sit down in the boardroom and go, how are we going to make this experience as stressful as we can for the customer? You know, they don't do that. But by the same token, they don't, they don't sit down and say, well, how are we going to make it as stress-free as we can either? So, of course, stress just creeps in to the experience because you're not constantly trying, trying to find ways to remove it. And the same is true with any of the other principles um, in that book, whether it be effort or whether it be, you know, the, the sensory or social pleasure aspects or... Or giving the customer more of a feeling of control, and all of these things, when you hear them, when you understand them, they're, they're kind of obvious. You know, you go, well, of course, of course, I want that. Yeah. But in, implicitly understanding something and explicitly using that knowledge to improve something are not the same thing. And I think, really, if anything, that's what's made the, the book. I guess, in retrospect, the, the success has been is that. It just gives people that little bit of reassurance that the things that they would naturally gravitate towards doing are actually the right things. Uh, and there's no need to, to try and over-intellectualize it or, 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 or make it into some really complicated, heavyweight thing. Anybody is capable of, of taking these, these principles and applying them to their, their business. I mean, if I can, anybody can, trust me. It's not, it's not a difficult thing to do. You just need to... To, to kind of know what they are and, and then give it a go. You know, you haven't really got anything to lose. And, and certainly, you know, if, if the readership and, and the feedback from the people who I work with is anything to go by, you know, it, it can yield really quite good, good results. And, you know, I wish everybody really the very best with it. Well, thank you, Matt. And Andrew, thank you for getting on this. But thank you, Matt. And again, the author of The 10 Principles Behind Great Customer Experience. I hope everybody enjoyed this podcast. Uh, there's definitely something to take back tomorrow. Um, get the book. I highly recommend it. You could 
make copies of some of the chapters, hang them out, hand them out to everybody in the office. So again, the Tim. No, no, you shouldn't do that. You should buy. You should buy. Uh, a copy. <laughs> <laughs> you there you go. So again, yeah. the Tim principles <laughs> great customer experiences with an S on the end. So I have um, currently, as I said, look at mine. I have three bookmarks in it, just so I don't forget the last three places I've been. So. Thank you, Matt. Uh, appreciate your time greatly and sharing your experiences on um, all this and how we can move healthcare forward and disrupt healthcare, as Andrew and I like to say. So thank you very much. Oh, my pleasure. Uh, have a wonderful evening, guys. Thank, thank you so much. Thanks, Matt. Thanks for listening to Healthcare Disruption. Powered by Updog Media. Join in the conversation. Tweet at Updog Media at Jerry underscore Durham. And at A Rothschild BT with thoughts. Head over to updogmedia.com for more content.